Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome into Soccer Morning. We're ready to go. New week of shows, new week of soccer, new week of everything. It all smells very good or something. I don't know. I had something quippy and clever on a Monday to get you started, and then it just went out of my head and... So we just begin with this. It's a big show for you. We're going to review the weekend happenings. We're looking to grab a guest to take a look at England specifically. I think I'm still waiting on confirmation of that. But in the meantime, we can get underway with some news. also want to uh, to set you up for phone calls later on in the show. We will be taking all of your thoughts and questions and concerns and comments and observations and analysis from the weekend, both MLS, well, both. All MLS, EPL, Bundesliga underway. That's a thing that happened this weekend. Uh, well, I don't even have that in my headlines. That's an oversight on my part. Christian Hennage will join us. There we go. I'm sorry. My confirmation came through and I didn't see it. Christian Hennage will join us to talk about the Premier League weekend. So let's go ahead, dive into the headlines. Make sure you're all prepared for that chat. First and foremost, MLS. That's uh, first and foremost for me. Uh, if it isn't for you, I apologize. It's what we're going with first. A couple of big results from the weekend. Sporting Kansas City coming back from two different two-goal deficits to beat Vancouver at home at Sporting Park. 4-3, to three. Paolo Nagamura with the winner. Not necessarily the man you would expect to score the goals to put them through, uh, get them a big win over the Western Conference leader. And now, looking at the standing, Sporting Kansas City Best in the league on points per game. Third place in the Western Conference, but with a bunch of games in hand on the leaders, LA Galaxy and Vancouver. Speaking of the LA Galaxy, they get a 2-1 statement win over FC Dallas in Frisco, Texas. This is a Galaxy team that has struggled to win on the road throughout the 2015 campaign. Robbie Keane, Giovanni Dos Santos combining uh, to put the goals in the net and lead the L.A. to a big win in Texas. The New York Red Bulls making statements as well. 3 nothing winners over Toronto FC at Red Bull Arena. The biggest thing for, for New York is that they completely quieted Sebastian Jovinko, leading candidate for the MVP this season, didn't do much on the road uh, against the Red Bulls in an Eastern Conference clash, and uh, just a little bit of a ding to TFC's uh, uh, form at the moment. They are now in fifth place while the Red Bulls are creeping towards D.C. United uh, with 39 points to D.C. United's 44. Remember, D.C. United losers on Thursday night against NYCFC. Seattle, are they back? Maybe they're back. Are they back? Obafemi Martins is back, scored twice in a 4 nothing Seattle romp over Orlando City Soccer Club. Uh, that game was at Century League Field, a full house on hand to watch Barton's come back and lead his team to victory. We'll see if this means something for the Sounders moving forward. Certainly, Orlando City has defensive issues. Uh, they didn't they didn't play well. Uh, in fact, uh, Seattle, uh, with 12 shots on goal, absolutely dominated in that match. The Philadelphia Union and the Chicago Fire, you're thinking, wait, this name has no bearing whatsoever on the standings because they're both terrible and they're at the bottom of the Eastern Conference, and why are you talking about it? Well, first of all, the Union are really only four points back in the playoff hunt. Uh, be difficult, but uh, they are there. Uh, meanwhile, Chicago's only point back in Philadelphia, and that's after last night's 3-3 draw. A thrilling match. Certainly the last 20 minutes of that were on fire. Some, uh, Sean Johnson with a bunch of great saves for Chicago, despite the scoreline goalkeeper of the week performance 
from Sean Johnson, kept them in it. They went and got a very controversial equalizer scored by Kennedy of Oenanike on a, a ball that looked like it was out of bounds two, two different times and perhaps even handled by Mike McGee on the last sequence. Um, I had somebody tell me that the AR was perhaps watching a flyover, but I'm not sure if that's the case or not. Premier League results, Manchester City in the clash of the weekend, beating Chelsea 3-0 at the Etihad on Sunday. A big win for City. They are certainly trying to establish themselves as the lead contender for the title this year. Perhaps Chelsea taking a step back. It is two matches. We'll talk to Christian Hennig about this and ask him. I mean, Jose Mourinho deflecting, deflecting, deflecting. This particular game, he sort of made his bed with the whole doctor nonsense and then substitutes John Terry, goes on uh, goes on television after the match in the post-game interview and uh, paints a picture of a game that nobody else saw in a game in which Chelsea was the better team in the second half. Certainly not what I saw when I watched that match. It's Arsenal with their first win of the year after opening the season with a loss. They scrape by, I'm sorry, they get an own goal uh, to beat uh, to beat Crystal Palace um, uh, in a game that, uh, that Arsenal needed to get their season underway. Manchester United squeaking by Aston Villa on Friday which is a very odd place for a game. I decided to put games on Friday now in the Premier League. That's the thing that they do. Everton, 3-0 winners uh, over Southampton um, in that uh, in that particular match. Looking at the rest of these results, West Brom and Watford played to a game nobody ever wants to talk about again. Tottenham and Stoke, 2-2. Not a great way to go for Spurs at home. Leicester City beating West Ham 2-1. West Ham coming down after that defeat of Arsenal. Uh, at uh, the Emirates last weekend to open their season. It's going to be up and down for them, I imagine. UEFA is asking FIFA to investigate a smear campaign against Michelle Platini. UEFA has complained to FIFA about an alleged attempt to discredit Platini, who is, who is currently the favorite, to replace Sepp Blatter as the head of FIFA when that election comes up next February. A newspaper-style article sent anonymously this month to German, la- uh, German language media was titled Platini skeletons in the closet. UEFA General Secretary Gianni Infantino told the Associated Press on Sunday that he asked FIFA to investigate if the document came from its headquarters as a rift deepens between Blatter and Platini. There is a letter. It's out there. This is quite uh, scandalous stuff happening because, you know, when the powerful people in football go at each other, it's pretty ugly. Sergio Ramos has gotten a five-year deal at Real Madrid that, that will keep him there. At the Bernabeu, uh, uh, despite interest from Manchester United and a couple of other teams. Speaking of Spain, Barcelona going into the second leg of the Spanish Super Cup against Athletic Bilbao today with a 4 nothing deficit. Can they overturn that deficit today? Certainly worth a watch. Game kicks off at 4 p.m. Eastern time. And the U.S. Women's National Team started their World Cup victory tour with an 8 nothing destruction of Costa Rica. In uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Megan Klingenberg scoring and waving a terrible towel, and they all had a good time as the U.S. women get underway with uh, celebrating their World Cup title. All right, let's take a break. We'll step aside. Good way to set the stage for Christian Hennig, who will join us to go over all of the happenings from the weekend. We'll probably sprinkle in some MLS as well. So don't go anywhere. Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. The race to win the MLS Supporter Shield and to qualify for the playoffs is heating up, so what better way to enjoy Major League Soccer than by playing one of the most unique fantasy soccer games available with Euro Fantasy League. 
With EuroFantasyLeague.com, don't be confused by the name. You can play MLS games for free, picking your best MLS starting 11 and subs against like-minded MLS fans such as yourself. Plus, you play in the MLS draft game just like your favorite NFL draft games. As the name suggests, you can also play a different fantasy game by selecting from six of the major European leagues, including the Premier League, La Liga, Serie A, Liga, the Dutch Eredivisie, and the Portuguese Premier Liga. So imagine picking a team that can feature the likes of Ronaldo, Aguero, Pogba, Zlatan, Rooney, and Messi, as well as other world-class footballers with your chance to win prizes, up to $5,000 for the winner of the season prize game. This is your opportunity to show your soccer expertise by playing against other fans from around the U.S. Set up your free fantasy soccer game today at EuroFantasyLeague.com. Again, head on over to EuroFantasyLeague.com. This Sunday is the Battle of DPs as Steven Gerrard, Andrea Pirlo, Giovanni Dos Santos, Frank Lampard, and Robbie Keane battle it out in a clash between the LA Galaxy and New York City FC. I'll be calling the game on Rabble.tv, and I'd like to invite you to hear my thoughts and analysis live during the 90 minutes at Rabble.tv. With Rabble, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the broadcast on TV, press the mute button, and head on over to Rabble.tv to listen to the broadcast on your desktop, through your iOS app, and now through your mobile browser. You can join in, too, by posting your questions or observations in the comments section. If you have an iPhone, install the Rabble TV app and add a comment to the broadcast message board, then listen live via the app. Or why don't you create your own broadcast called one of your team's games? It's easy. Sign up for free today and try it out. Join me this Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern for LA Galaxy versus New York City FC on Rabble.tv, where it's your team and your call. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. We are back on a Monday. Big show for you. Appreciate you guys joining in. We may have a surprise guest later in the show. I'll let you know about that. But in the meantime, we have a very excellent guest. Kristen Hennage is on the line with us now from Jolly Old England. Hello, Kristen. How are you? I'm not too bad, thanks, Jason. How are you? I'm, I'm well. Let's, um, let's talk about the second round of, of the Premier League uh, 2015-16 underway. Uh, first and foremost is Sunday's match between Chelsea and, and Manchester City at the Etihad, uh, a game that was loaded with, oh, is, is someone going to take the lead on the on the title race, et cetera, et cetera. It's very early for all of those things, but plenty of drama out of those events on Sunday. Some of it related to, to, uh, to Jose Mourinho, some of it related to Fernandinho's elbow, some of it related to the, to the fact that Sergio Aguero is just very good at soccer. <laughs> yes, that's a, a very good way to put it. I think what you saw is one team kind of operating at a high momentum in, in Manchester City and one in Chelsea that's had a bit of an awkward summer. Um, if you compare it to, to, say, 12 months ago, I thought, particularly in the transfer market, Chelsea were exceptional. They knew exactly what they wanted. They went out and got it in, in players like Cesc Fabregas, whereas this summer I thought they'd maybe stuttered a bit. They weren't too sure what they wanted. And now, kind of, with a few weeks left in the window, they're, they're frantically trying to get uh, Baba Rahman through and, and mm-hmm. sort out the left-back issue and, well, it's actually a right-back issue that's the problem, but find someone to, to cover for Azpilicueta who they want to right-back. And for me, I think, you know, that that kind of highlights the importance of a, a summer because if you look at Manchester City, they went out, they knew they wanted Raheem Sterling, they did the deal fairly quickly, he managed to get a, 
a full pre-season with the squad and, and certainly he's not at the peak level you would want but he certainly looks more integrated into this squad than than uh, than Chelsea signings. Yeah, there's always that question, right? Uh, you know, how early do you get your signings done? Do you get those players settled? And how much does that impact your early season as you try to build that momentum? And and look, this is likely to be a race that comes down to the wire. I mean, it, it maybe Chelsea uh, separated themselves last season, but um, you know, maybe Chelsea hasn't taken enough. Uh, taken uh, enough steps to make sure that they're as, uh, on the same level of, of their 2014-15. Uh, so it's going to be a couple of points here or there. Is this already a, an advantage that, that City can really grab onto? And, and if they can keep up their form, we may be talking, you know, we may be talking up City and, uh, by Christmas time. I think it's very rare that you see a champion crowned by Christmas, be that kind of figuratively or literally. I think what it does is it shows City where they can be at in terms of their level this season. Uh, I mean, Vincent Company kind of stands out for me as someone who maybe had a difficult season last season, and yet we're looking at him now. He's got two goals in two games. As he said afterwards yesterday, more importantly, two clean sheets. Mm-hmm. And he looks almost back to his best. And I know in the summer he did a lot of upper body work kind of individually away from the squad, and it seems that certainly paid off because there was no chance that, that Diego Costa was bullying him yesterday. I thought Company certainly won that battle quite significantly. Um, and I think that's really what City have to take from this. Not the idea that, okay, this could start as a run that will have it won by Christmas. I think it shows them where they can be this season and the level they need to strive for. Sure, certainly a, a club that's, um, that's always got something swirling around it needs some positive, needs to be positive out of the gates. Meanwhile, Chelsea, and you mentioned Diego Costa. I'll come to Jose Mourinho, some of his comments, um, so, some other decisions that he made in a minute, but... Uh, Diego Costa, I, I, I mentioned this, uh, I, I did a thing yesterday for Rabble, and I mentioned how much fun it is, how much my love, I have a love-hate relationship with Diego Costa. He's, he's obviously a very good player, he's a good striker, Christian, but he is a, he's, a lo- he's a figure that's easy to loathe when he's out there causing trouble, and yet you kind of feel for him because Fernandinho did come in pretty hard with the elbow. Was that a, was that a red card for you? I think it was. I thought it was quite nasty, um, and I think his reaction told you that there wasn't much remorse there and perhaps there was a degree of intention there as well. I think uh, as well, if it's maybe not Diego Costa, then something happens there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in many ways it was the victim that kind of stopped the red card coming out and, and essentially costing City an important player for the, the rest of the game. Well, isn't that fascinating though that uh, Diego Costa has a reputation obviously and that's going to feed into whether or not a referee pulls out a red card. Uh, it's probably not fair, and all things being equal, but that's what you—that's that's sort of what happens when you when you are the type of player Diego Costa is, and he's very much a guy who works to get under the skin uh, of defenders and opposing players when he's out there to gain his advantage. All right, so we come to Jose now. I mean, again, good feelings for City, big win at home, uh, biggest crowd in, in Etihad history, et cetera, et cetera. Jose Mourinho, after the match, spun that game in a way that I found fascinating, saying that that he thought Chelsea was the better team in the second half. Uh, he'd obviously taken off John Terry, which was a big decision. Are we seeing Jose lose it a little bit at Chelsea? I, I mean, that's odd considering they won the title last year. And he talks about how much he loves this club. But it's been pointed out that he has a pattern uh, at, at various places. He'll he'll go for a, a good two, you know, one, two, three years, not even that much. Uh, one, or, one or two years, and then it all starts to unravel. I would certainly say he, he's not a long-term manager. I think he's kind of 
bounced around from, from club to club after a certain point. The old quote of Bella Gutman, never stay longer than three years, because that's when your ideas stop kind of uh, permeating onto the players' minds. I think he certainly looks a lot more dishevelled than we remember him. Um, the hair's a little bit scraggly, the dress perhaps isn't as sharp. But I'm inclined to, to think maybe we are starting to see someone who's a little bit unsettled and maybe isn't as cultured in his mind games as we once thought. Equally, I think maybe we overestimated it. Maybe we saw too much in there. We interpreted his uh, actions. A bit, a bit like the, the famous quote with Eric Cantona about the seagulls and the trawlers. We, we so, gave it a meaning. Yeah. Um, there perhaps wasn't one there from inception. And I think, look, it, it seems to permeate all aspects of the club now. I mean, the, the match report from, from the club talked about the Ramirez goal as being the the main talking point of the game, and that was their lead, which I found <laughs> quite funny. Perhaps written by Mourinho himself, you never know. Uh-huh. I think that he, he needs to to perhaps take a look inward, though, because at the minute, he's causing a lot of his club's problems, it's... and normally he's the one who shields them from this. Well, I mean, again, it, it, this is whether or not he is playing that uh, that game of deflection that he is is quite famous for, and, you know, with the whole doctor's... Uh, trainer schedule, uh, scandal or whatever you want to call that uh, drama nonsense coming into this game now leading out of this game it's it's the odd nature of, of how he's looking at it it's certainly talking about uh, um, the uh, the Diego Costa situation and then uh, talking about the red card and again John uh, coming to John Terry do you think this has has wider ramifications he's sending a message here to to Terry and to the wider team or is it just a matter of in this game he saw something that really did necessitate sitting his captain down? I think it's the latter. I think that was the problem. I mean, look, it, it was just last season when we talked about John Terry's resilience as a player and his ability to constantly prove his doubt is wrong. And yet, come the end of yesterday, we're saying, oh, he's too old, he's too slow, he's finished. I don't think he is. I think he just struggles with an incredibly pacing, talented striker and Sergio Aguero, and there's no shame in that. I think perhaps they could have set him up slightly better tactically and helped him out a little bit, but again, maybe they weren't able to do that and so they decided to make a change. I think to say that this is kind of something greater, though, is, is perhaps building something that's not really there. Yeah, certainly. Um, the the rest of uh, the rest of the league, uh, Christian, anything stand out for you? I mean, certainly Arsenal getting a win is is a good thing for them, even if it wasn't the most convincing uh, at Selhurst Park. And then, uh, well, let's start there. What do you make of Arsenal so far? Because, again, losing last week at home to West Ham, coming into this weekend, this is a club that if it doesn't go right right away can can sort of be – I mean, like, they're going to win their matches against lesser opponents. But they need to really be on top of the confidence game if they're going to be a title contender. Exactly. They, they've had a hit already, and, and – some people reaffirmed the idea that they're not mentally strong enough to win the title um, with that defeat against West Ham. And I don't think a, a victory against Palace is going to rectify that thought um, and change people's minds and change the doubters' minds. Admittedly, you know, it was paid back to 1-1. They rode their luck slightly. There was a little bit of kind of an obstacle for them to overcome, but it's going to take more than that for them. I think, you know, the, the talk of Ben Zimmer possibly joining is another moot issue that could influence them in terms of their ability to win the title. But the truth is they need to become more consistent. They need to be more ruthless. And I think you're not really going to see that until those difficult games that they have at home later in the year, perhaps mm-hmm. leading up to Christmas. I think the second part of the season is normally when Arsenal have kicked into gear. The problem is the title-chasing pack are normally well away from them by then. 
so Arsenal with a with their first win of the year. Manchester United with a second one nothing victory this time at Villa Park. Um, I didn't get a chance to see much of that game. It's all the way back on Friday. Christian is sort of sort of out of the mind at this point. Uh, but but Manchester United look six points is six points. I guess it doesn't matter how you get it necessarily, but. People will question whether or not they are firing at all on all cylinders and are able to reclaim their position as a sort of as a title contender, certainly as a as a top team in this league. Of course, because they've, they've also spent an exorbitant amount of money this summer um, under Louis Van Gaal. They've spent more than Ajax have in their entire history, um, which is a frightening number when you think about it. I think the concern is as well is that they don't seem to have a recognised striker either. Wayne Rooney looked quite laboured on, on Friday night against Aston Villa and behind him is James Wilson and, and Javier Hernandez. I think Hernandez isn't really seen as an option and James Wilson is still incredibly young. So he either has to, to push forward with one of those three that he has now or then convince the board to go back out and spend even more money. Um, and who you get at this stage also remains to be seen because it doesn't seem as if Thomas Mueller is, is an option as Bayern don't really want to sell him. So it's a difficult period for Manchester United. I feel as if they're in transition still slightly, um, but the results can't be in transition. That's the difficulty he faces. They have to win things this season um, to validate the fact that he spent so much money. All right, let's uh, let's turn to, to Everton. They go uh, away from home and beat Southampton three uh, nothing. Romelu Lukaku scoring twice. Rock, uh, Ross Barkley with a with a goal and and solid performances all around. I, I never really have a clear sense of who Everton is. They they drew last week, uh, last weekend against Watford in their opener. But uh, what is the the prospects for Roberto Martinez this season? It would seem a bit like Ross Barkley: good games and bad games. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I I think the problem he has is that because that squad is is really founded on some young talent, it's going to have those days that maybe aren't so perfect and other days where they sweep aside like Southampton away. And I think it's, it's about him kind of extracting the raw talent in there and giving it a consistency. Now that's kind of the, the issue you have with players of that age is that they're very much fresh on their journey. Even players like Lukaku has been playing for 16. He's going to still need to learn some things. There's still elements of his game that need polishing. And the problem is, is that for Everton, who don't really spend much. And again, haven't really spent much this summer either have they really got the depth to, to rely on a consistent, inconsistent youngster like that? Um, I think there's simply not money to invest further, if you believe Bill Kenwright, and that's clearly an issue that's boiling over with the fact that they flew that plane over the, the stadium before kickoff. Um, I still find it amazing that that's how we solve problems these days, is, is to buy a plane and, and attach a sign to the back of it, but I think that's another discussion. I think <laughs> what they have to do is they have to decide really how they're going to operate, because Yes, it's great that they keep buying these talented youngsters like John Stones and, and last week Mason Holgate, but you've also got Roberto Martinez vehemently fighting against the idea of Chelsea buying him. Right. Realistically, Chelsea buying him is the only way he's going to fund new players. Yeah. Um, and so it, it, it is kind of that vicious cycle of, of rearing someone with exceptional talent, knowing that really they're likely to fund the next crop that you hope develop into a similar player. You know, that just that's the lot that Everton finds themselves in. But and it comes to a, it brings us to another question. I mean, Everton is where they are, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure that look, no, no fan is going to just accept that. They're going to want to push on and take the next the next step. But they also have a realization that they're not competing with the cities, United's, Chelsea's, Arsenal's on a monetary basis. Meanwhile, in London. 
In North London, you have Tottenham, and they are maybe not quite on that level, but they certainly spend a lot more money than most of the teams in this league. They have a lot more going for them than a lot of teams in this league. They're, they're going to build a new stadium, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And now I'm seeing talk, Christian, of whether or not the gap between the top four and a team like Spurs is actually widening, and they haven't had a great start. They lose to, to Manchester United, okay, fair, but they draw it home to Stoke, and, and now there's those worries again. There is, and it, it's almost like everything. It's like inconsistency in the idea that Spurs will inevitably find a way to snatch something terrible from the jaws of victory. Um, it's it's a work in progress, is, is the best way I could put it, because, again, Pochettino's brought in a new central defender in, in Toby Alderweireld, who, in fairness, knows Jan Vertonghen very well from the time at Ajax, and I think eventually will forge something quite impressive. I am sometimes a little bit bemused by their their transfer dealings. I mean, they've bought Kieran Trippier this, this summer, someone who, for me, offers the same assets as Kyle Walker, but also has the same deficiencies, who, again, has the same assets as DeAndre Edlin, but also the same deficiencies. So to buy three of the same type of right-back, <laughs> it doesn't really make sense. Um, and yet, you could argue maybe it's an impulse purchase, the, the fact that Yedlin, in particular, was trading quite high after the World Cup. It was a chance to you know, maybe operate in the U.S. market, having a U.S. international on the team. But he's not playing at the minute. He's well, not even getting on the bench. Um, and that's just a, it's a bizarre situation because you think, well, then he needs the loan move. And it doesn't seem like they're really looking to orchestrate anything for him. So it's at times it seems as if they're, they're not really shopping with much in mind. Shopping when they're hungry, which uh, they say you should never do. Well, it seems as though this is an operation that works less about the football side sometimes than the business side the they almost as if you know almost as if these players are stock to be sold and, and bought and, and and that's that there, there's an element of that to, to the world's game of course to the market but you're also trying to put these players into your first team and go win matches I mean I think of Roberto Soldado who they just they just sold for something like 12 million pounds which to me sounds like highway robbery on Spurs's part and that, but that, again, kind of feeds into this notion that they are a club who's incredibly savvy about these things sometimes, but doesn't put together a team to actually take the next step. Exactly. I mean, you know, Eric Lamella, there's someone who is the club's record signing, I believe, and, and really does not fit that team well at all. And that's something you just have to question is how much of, of it is them thinking they're getting a good deal and how much of it is them saying, okay, does this player fit in with what we're trying to do? Is, is this the right player for the, the style we're playing? So to seemingly replace Gareth Bale with Eric Lamella didn't really make sense at the time. In the same way that bringing Roberto Soldado in at such a, a late stage in his career, kind of closer to, to 30 than 25, didn't really make sense. Um, and that's, I think, where Spurs need to improve. Is They need to really identify something, identify an ethos. Um, and then shop accordingly and, and make it so the manager fits with that. I think certainly the, the managers that they've procured in the last few years, like the Pochettino, they've given them certain assets, but at, at times it felt like they're lurching from one thing to another. Sherwood wasn't continental enough, and then Pochettino is the continental option, and then maybe they'll find out that he's not British enough for them, and it'll start that vicious triangle that, that kind of surfaced with the the uh, Red Knapp and, and Villa Spoa. Uh, we're going to talk MLS with uh, Kristen here in a couple of minutes, but just let me tip in. We have confirmed Sean Johnson, goalkeeper for Chicago Fire, will join us at 9.45 a.m. Eastern. So if you're listening now, stick around. Make sure you listen to that. Sean Johnson put on a, 
incredible performance against uh, the Philadelphia Union last night to help his team secure an away point. All right. A, a couple of matches uh, left uh, that maybe we can brush by quickly, Christian. Uh, uh, Swansea City, 2 nothing winners over Newcastle. Newcastle is my uh, one of my favorite Premier League teams. I don't mean that in the sense I root for them at, at all, just, but just because they're always dramatic. There's always something going on there. Um, you know, th- their, their season starts so far, and certainly the way Swansea has looked after their draw at Stanford Bridge last week. Yeah, I thought they've, they've been incredibly impressive. I think what you're seeing is the, the benefit of consistency and, and continuity in terms of really they've only made one or two major signings this summer and only one of them in, in Andre Ayew has kind of established himself into that first team already. And so there's not a huge upheaval there. There's not a new kind of style or anything being learned. It's it's the same as last season. So there's a familiarity there. And then credit to Ayew, I think he's fitted into that expertly. Uh, you could argue that Swansea knew what they wanted from a player in that position and then went out and got him all on a free transfer as well, which makes it just that much more impressive. Yeah. I think that's perhaps what you were seeing played out at the Liberty Stadium at the weekend, was a team that knew exactly what they wanted to do and how they wanted to do it. And subsequently, the players the same against a team in Newcastle that are still really in the formative stages under Steve McLaren. They still want to make more signings. They still want to almost teach these players how to play McLaren's way. And, and that's going to take time. And there's going to be some really horrible days like Saturday where Daryl Yanmat is really roasted by uh, Jefferson Montero, mm-hmm. who equally is, is looking more impressive with each passing game. Um, so that's, I think, the benefits ones you've had in, in giving Gary Monk time um, and also bringing in someone who knew the club to begin with. So it, it wasn't a huge transition to begin with. I think that's where you have to really credit Swansea. They really do do diligence on, on the managerial choices they make. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure that they were going to be able to replace Bonnie. And um, I mean, not, just naturally in, in terms of the flow of the team, because you can... Sell it, they have to sell him. I mean, Manchester City comes in and offers that much money, you have to sell Wilfred Boney. But that's a club that just can't snap their fingers and find a replacement necessarily. Well, no, it, it certainly seems that. But then, you know, I think what they've been clever to do is to identify what Boney gave them and then find similar assets in a player. Not an identical player in Baffert and Bigomi, but I think they'd almost started the planning before he even left um, Wilfred Boney. So, again, it's it's that forethought that I think we sometimes underrate in clubs, the likes of Southampton, who already know who will replace their key players before they've gone. And it's a, a staple of, of kind of transfer doing. Jean-Michel Olas, the, the Lyon uh, president, used to say that, that you, know, you should always have the player that you wish to replace your star with at the club before you sell him, so that it means the transition is that much easier, so they know the football club, and it, it just makes everything a little bit simpler for everyone involved. All right, uh, like I said, we are going to talk to Sean Johnson here coming up in a couple of minutes. So we're going to take the opportunity with uh, with Kristen to talk about the uh, the MLS weekend. Uh, Kristen obviously writes on MLS uh, a lot. You find his work, find him on Twitter, K-H-E-N-E-A-G-E. Uh, Kristen, let's, um, lots of things to talk about here. I mean, uh, uh, obviously, uh, Seattle with a 4 nothing win to get back on the right side of things. Oba Femi Hortons is, is obviously crucial to what they're going to do moving forward. Uh, we have that result from Thursday, which was DC United losing to NYCFC, sporting with a comeback. I, I think I think I want to start, though, with the LA Galaxy. And I, I, I am a, I'll admit that, I, that I, I have a bias towards the Galaxy, Galaxy in the sense that if anybody is showing well 
and the Galaxy are showing well, I tend to think that they're the better team and that they're going to be the MLS Cup champion in the end because they've more often than not proven that they're capable, that they have the right mentality to do that. Am I wrong to have them as my favorites right now? No, I don't think so because they're not a perfect team. Um, there's defensive frailties in there, certainly. And Donovan Rickich really doesn't inspire that much confidence in me personally. I, clearly he doesn't Bruce Arena because he <laughs> keeps finding a way to bring him back to LA. Um, but that attack is, is just absolutely scintillating. It's arguably the best in Major League Soccer at this very moment. Um, and that's typified by the fact that, you know, you've got Robbie King with 6 in 10. You've got Giovanni De Santos linking up with him, I think, for three goals in, in two games. That in itself tells you that this team is, is incredibly stacked with talent. And so there's nothing new to be learned there. I think the concern for teams now is, is that how do you stop that? Because mm. FC Dallas are, are a very good team. I think they've been very impressive this season. Um, and funnily enough, you know, the last time they, they faced LA, they managed to beat them. Yeah. And yet with the addition of Gerard, the addition of DeSantos, who we touched on there, it's just pushed this Galaxy side to another level. It's, it's moved them up a few tiers and it's now up for the, the remaining teams to catch up. And I think it's, it's going to be a difficult task for a lot of them. Absolutely. Now, let's, uh, we should mention that FC Dallas without, was without Moro Diaz. He's a major component of what they do. That's got to be FC Dallas's concern as they push forward is if Moro Diaz misses time because he has been particularly frail over the course of the last couple of seasons. Um, it's more, they have to be more than just uh, Fabian Castillo and, uh, and Akindele and Blas Perez and a couple, a couple other options. Hollingshead has been good, but you're going to need a playmaker in the middle. All right, let's uh, speaking of playmakers in the middle, the uh, the man who's probably second or perhaps first on some people's MVP ballot is Benny Failhaber. Now, he didn't have a fantastic day against Vancouver, but Sporting showed what they're made of with that comeback victory. Uh, I think this actually shows a little bit about Vancouver as well, Christian. I think they're a little naive at this point, and, and clearly there's some lack of discipline. You, you shouldn't have two different two-goal leads and lose a match. I don't care if you're at home or not, or on the road or not. No, exactly. And, you know, we talked about that with the Galaxy, kind of their defensive frailties being negated by the strong attack. I think the, the problem Vancouver has is that the attack simply just isn't strong enough to counteract the defensive problems. Um, I've never personally been that sold on, on Pamudikar um, at the back. I think he doesn't really inspire confidence. And I think that's something that, um, that Clay Robinson is going to have to Carl Robinson, excuse me, is going to have to try and fix in the offseason. He's going to need to see if they can't get some talent. I mean, you look at Seattle being able to, to procure Roman Torres last week, yeah. someone who I've, I've heard described as the best defender in Colombia. They need to go out and, and really kind of, you know, test their scouting team and, and say, look, we need a, a top quality centre back. Um, perhaps even someone who, who garners a DP contract. Maybe it's, it, it's that big a need for them. Um, it's just finding the talent. That's, that's always the issue. I think identifying the problem isn't necessarily that hard. It's, it's how you cure it is where teams tend to fall down. Absolutely. Uh, so Vancouver with a little bit of a distressing loss, again, on the road, but uh, considering, uh, considering the way that that game went, they should have probably gotten out of there with three, diff- uh, with three points. Um, elsewhere in MLS, you mentioned Seattle, adding Roman Torres. That's probably the most important. It might, be, it might end up being, depending on how Seattle's season goes the rest of the way, one of the most important signings of the window. And yet what they showed on on Sunday is that they are still capable of scoring uh, the goals. They went goal side for a while, but Obafemi Martins makes them a much, much better attack, Chris, and it, it's unbelievable. 
He does. I mean, I tweeted out last night, sometimes it feels like he's being held up by strings. His, his balance is that impressive. Um, I think the return of him is important, as is Clint Dempsey. In the wider picture, though, I think this shows the importance of, of good mid-season signings. Um, Nelson Valdez, again, is a really good pickup. I really like that move. They've also got Andreas Edenschitz to come in and add some more creativity to what looks on paper if you can manage to, to put Dempsey, Martins and Valdez in the same team. A frightening attack. Um, and then equally, as, as you touched on there, they've managed to get Roman Torres, who I think brings a, a wealth of experience, really was impressive in Colombia from what little footage I was able to, to see. And I think, again, it, it's credit to Siggy Schmidt because he's, he's realised what the problem is. He's gone out and they've managed to get the players. They've managed to do the deal, keep them kind of right side of the, the salary cap and use this new targeted allocation money. So, you know, it, it shows it can be done. It shows that perhaps this idea that the league is, is pandering to the galaxy a little bit is maybe a, a misnomer because other teams are finding ways to use these new assets in, in inventive and, and beneficial ways. Uh, the New York Red Bulls, 3 nothing winners over Toronto FC. Um, as as impressive as the scoreline itself is, I think probably what stands out is that they kept TFC off the board and they kept Sebastian Jovinko from scoring a goal. It seems like forever since he hasn't scored one. Uh, the clean sheet and the team performance, three different goal scorers, Gonzalo Verón. I mean, everything is just going well for the Red Bulls right now. Yeah, funny enough, it was... Six months last week since that town hall meeting, the infamous no. town hall meeting, um, <laughs> that was an amazing watch for anyone who wasn't lucky enough to get down there. Um, I, I think it's the pace of this team that, that really unsettles teams. And, and I saw Jesse Marsh touch on it at half time. Toronto were trying to slow the game down so that their kind of star players, the likes of Giovinco, could then make a play. And I think if you watch Toronto, that's often how they've been able to succeed this season, is really dropping the pace so that space opens up for, for their key guys to, to make something. That wasn't the case uh, against the Red Bulls. In fact, Giovinco only had two shots, and there was a, a fantastic stat from uh, Peter Galindo that, that said that only New England had, had reduced him to less, and that was with him only playing 45 minutes uh, of the game. So you have to credit Jesse Marsh because he's come in and he's made some bold decisions. He's, he's shunned this idea of, of signing star names when a lot of the teams around him have done that. Um, even their neighbours in blue have done that. And yet he's decided to forge a team where it's all about the sum of the parts. It's all about how does everybody contribute? How does everyone work? I think he's raised the level of Dax McCarthy as well. Um, I think in Mike Grella, he's got someone who, from a, a kind of more poetic side, it's nice to see a local guy really thriving at that club, mm -hmm. but also brings immense talent and is, is really quite skillful um, mm -hmm. as well. So you have to give credit to him. I think even if he doesn't, uh, take them to, to MLS Cup final this, this season, they've already improved their points per game average to where it was last year. And at present, it's higher than DC United as well. So if we're giving Ben Olsen a lot of credit for the way he's operating, I think you have to give just as much to Jesse Marsh. Yeah, and, and I have to give, I think we have to give it to Ali Curtis as well. Uh, he came in, it was a new program for him. He had, it was new on the job. They've made some very smart signings. It has a, that team has a very Galaxy-type feel to it in the sense that they have a couple of, of, of name players, not big-name stars like the Galaxy, but, but certainly name players, and then sprinkled in are these role players who have stepped up their game and, and been a very big part of, of that success this season. Um, it's, Mike Grelick jumps to mind immediately. Uh, let me, let me, before I let you go, we've got to talk to Sean Johnson. Let me ask you about NYCFC. Uh, like I said, Thursday night, they beat D.C. United 3-1. Second-half performance was brilliant. 
Quadro Poku was the star, and uh, I'm I'm in the bag for Quadro Poku, Christian. I, I think he's fantastic. I'd love to see him get uh, all their minutes down the stretch, and I, and I really hope that Jason Christ finds a way to to get him on the field more often than not. Um, I've been asked to ask you about him because you you wrote about Quadro Poku. Uh, give me a sense of what kind of player we're we're seeing here and what kind of future he might have. I mean, he's not exactly young, but there's there's loads to be uh, to be excited about. Well, off the field, he is an absolute gentleman. Um, I, I spoke to people at the club who said he starts every sentence with sir and ends it with sir. Um, he really is a good character. And I think even if you kind of push that to the side on the field, his physical stats are amazing. Um, the way he drives past players, I wrote comparisons to, to Yaya Toure, which at the time was, was deemed as quite sensationalist and, and, stuff like that and I understand why but I think now having seen him for a few months I would hope those people now see what I meant because he does just leave people in his wake and his ability to carry the ball even though it seems like it's going to escape him is, is incredibly impressive and it's, for me has been really central to a lot of New York's good play this summer I think that the issue with him and one that Jason Christ has encountered is that because he hasn't come from an academy because there's not maybe that education that a lot of young players get He's a little bit naive to the game sometimes in, in terms of how to operate, how he needs to be, where he needs to be. And that can take some time to teach someone. And I think, you know, in, in bringing him on, I think they knew that. Um, and they've tried to work with him. But equally, it comes to the point where you, where you just think it's worth letting him go at this point. Just let him play and continue to work with him and develop that. Because at the minute, there's potential, I think, just a little bit of potential that he could earn them their first decent money transfer to Europe because mm -hmm. he is just that good. Um, his passing is brilliant. Uh, I think a lot of, as I touched on there, his physical stats are impressive. And he's a good person to top it all off, which makes it that much easier when you're trying to move to Europe. Um, it's just how Jason Christ uses him. I think in a difficult season, this could arguably be the one good thing to come out of it. Yep, absolutely. Definitely worth watching the development of Kwabo Poku at NYCFC, you know, a man who's Written about him, talked to him. Uh, Christian Hennage joining us on Soccer Morning. Christian, we've got to run. got to talk to Sean Johnson, but I appreciate the time. Insight on two different leagues across the vast ocean. You're brilliant. Thank you so much. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right, let's take a break. we come back. Sean Johnson will join us. Chicago Fire goalkeeper, fresh off a brilliant eight-day performance against the Philadelphia Union last night. We'll talk about the season uh, and more with Sean Johnson. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. All right, here we go. Monday edition of Soccer Morning. Happy to be joined on the phone by Chicago Fire goalkeeper Sean Johnson, fresh off a 3-3 draw at the Philadelphia Union last night. Sean, how are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. You? I, I, you know, last night was uh, was crazy. We watched. I watched that game on television. I can't imagine what that last 20 minutes was like for you having to come up with, with a bunch of big saves just to keep your team in it. Uh, just, you know, give me a sense of, of, of how it looked from your side of things. Yeah, I think it, it was a game uh, that provided, um, 
you know, a lot of different scenarios and situations over the course of 90 minutes. And I think uh, in the last 20, I think, uh, you know, being, um, you know, the 2-1, you know, pushing the tie again, 2-2, and then going down um, 3-2 again, I think, you know, scenario change for us. So we needed to push uh, to get a a goal to tie the game. And, uh, you know, they had an attacking barrage there for, for maybe 20 minutes. But, you know, uh, that's what some games call for. You know, you have to step up in, in those moments and, and help your team to uh, to get a result. You know, obviously, it's been a, it's been a difficult year for the Fire. You guys are probably not where you want to be. I don't, I don't imagine. Um, you know, just when you're when you're t- when you're tackling a game like that. I mean, it's on the road in Philadelphia. It, it's it's kind of got to be three points at, at this point. How do you feel about it when when you? get back level late in a match after going down. I mean, you know, there's some thrilling element to it, but at the same time, it's not what you wanted. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's two sides to that. Um, I think, you know, one, um, you know, obviously at this point of the year, three points are very important to us. And, uh, you know, we're not in a position where we can, can afford to, to really let points slip. But, you know, in another sense of the word, we – Put ourselves in a position, you know, where we where we got down twice in the game, we were able to fight back, and, and I think that that speaks, um, you know, volumes for the character of our players, and um, you know, we need that attitude going forward uh, to be able to have the belief that, you know, in any situation we can, uh, you know, get back into the game or dictate a game. So that, I think that was huge for us as well. There, there's a there's a number of young guys on this team. I mean, obviously uh, we got Harry Ship, and and there's some other talented players and. Uh, a pole, Matt Polster has been good this year. There's certainly something to to build on. But how difficult is it when when you guys look up and and you see the standings and you kind of recognize where you are to be focused on this year when that talent is something that could really come to the forefront next year and you guys could really be a contender. I mean, how how do you deal with the with the situation as it exists? And this being MLS, I guess you get a good run going. Maybe you're thinking playoffs again. Yeah, you know, I think I think the important thing to remember is that you know the playoffs are are still very much a possibility. Um, you know, no, no one, you know, especially especially our our players on, on the team staff on the team count us out. So we we've got to go into every game with the mindset that you know we can get three points, um, you know, focus on the game at hand, then uh, then move forward and try to to keep building. Um, you know, I think it's a um, it's a league in the past. I've seen a lot of crazy things happen. I've seen, I've seen crazy runs. I've been a part of a crazy run myself a couple of years ago. Um, so I think just keeping keeping that belief is, is the most important thing at this point, and um, not looking forward, um, you know, to, to next year. And I, I think we live in in the now, um, if you will, and, and we've got to take care of business as it uh, as it stands. Uh, you know, speaking of the now, again, I mentioned some guys that uh, that that are talented players in the Chicago fire system. And, and obviously Frank Gallup's a very experienced coach who's had success in this league. There was seemed to be some rotation last night. Uh, you guys had just come off the, the disappointing loss to Philadelphia in the open cup. How much of that is just trying to shake things up? I mean, I'm not asking you to get into to Frank's head, but at this point in the year, how much of that is just shaking things up? And how much of it is fatigue for, for a team in a, in a long campaign? Yeah, I think, I think it's a little bit of both. I think, uh, you know, you know, as a, as a manager, you, you have to, to do to do just that and manage. I think you know we we have a lot of games, played a lot of games in the past month and a half. It's been a, a very tough stretch for us coming from you know Portland being on turf. Um, you know a lot of things factor into those to those decisions, and um, you know ultimately uh, we we have a lot of depth on the team and, and guys that, that can step in at any point in time and more more than capable of 
of uh, leading us to, to, to get, get points. Um, and, you know, that's, that's exactly it. You know, in the game last night, you know, a lot, a lot of guys, you know, stepped up to the plate and uh, helped us battle back and, and get a valuable point on the road. And um, I'm sure, I'm sure you'll see that and throughout, throughout the rest of the year. Um, it's, we, you have to have a full, a full roster uh, prepared and ready to, um, to contribute at any point in time. Uh, how are you? I mean, how how settled do you feel? I mean, you went to the fire forever. It, it seems like. I mean, uh, 2010, you joined the fire. I mean, you're at. How, I don't even know how many appearances you have, or how many appearances, if you even know how many it is at this point. But you know, do you think about your future? Do you have a future beyond the Chicago Fire? Is this a place where you feel comfortable enough to stick it out for for quite some time? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, I've, I've been at this club uh, a long time now, in six years, you know, I, I couldn't tell you how many games I've played, but, um, you know, I, I've been, you know, been thankful for, for you know, all of, all the, you know, the coaches that have been, been through this, this organization and, and all the faces I've seen and people I've met, the experiences I've had to this point. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a player that has some kind of aspirations to, to be the best at what he does, you know, play at the top level. And, um, you know, whether, whether that's, you know, going overseas, whether that's staying in Chicago. I think you know the the future. The future will will be um, will, the future will be what it will be. You know you can't really <laughs> can't really uh, look too far ahead right. uh, past the moment. Right. Put in the moment now. And the moment is you know trying to to get um, get the team in the playoffs. You know it's been it's been a, an important goal of mine uh, to be to be successful in this league and, and to win some silverware. So that's what I want to focus on now. And uh, whatever happens in the future, um, you know I'll leave that up to. To where the chips may fall. All right, fair enough. Uh, you know, this is also a team that um, you know has a strong following in Chicago, but maybe not quite where a lot of people think it should be. And you know, obviously, um, you know, success breeds more attention, especially in a city like Chicago. Mm-hmm. There are fans who aren't happy right now with the way things are are going. And I'm not going to ask you to talk ill about your bosses, but are you guys as mm-hmm. fans? I'm mean, sorry, as players, aware of what the fans are are saying and some of the the upset out there in, in the community. I know you're out there busting your butt, but you know, there, there are some fans out there trying to make some noise about the direction of this team. Are you aware of that? Yeah, I think, you know, definitely, definitely being aware, you know, I can, I can understand the frustrations of, of, of our fans. You know, like I said, I've been here for six years, you know, I've been around a, a lot of these fans and, and, you know, we've, we've, we've really tried, you know, as players, we're also disappointed in, in how, how things have gone to this point. Um, you know, we're obviously not where we want to be at this point in the season. Um, but, you know, like I said, we've, we've got to keep looking, uh, looking forward, looking up, keeping, keeping a positive attitude. And, um, you know, our fans have been great, you know, um, you know, for, for, for years. So, um, you know, for, for, for the organization, for ourselves, um, for our fans, you know, we, we really want to be a successful team. And that's, and that's our goal. Um, the goal we set out beginning every year, um, you know, especially this year with the talent that we have on this team. So, um, you know, we've just got to keep keep looking forward to to try to to make sure that we, we do all that we can to um, give ourselves a chance of making these playoffs at the end of the year. Uh, all right, to a completely different note. I'll turn hard left here and ask you a question. Uh, Rob in, in California wants to know if you had any non-American goalkeeping heroes as a kid. I mean, obviously the U.S. produces goalkeepers like nobody's business, Sean. You're part of that great lineage. But was there, were there foreign goalkeepers you looked up to, guys playing overseas? Yes. Uh, you know, as a kid, Edwin Vandersar was my, my favorite goalkeeper um, growing up. Favorite foreign goalkeeper. Uh, hands down, growing up, I watched him. Uh, fantastic. Um, from, from Fulham to, to, 
Manchester United, you know, I was able to kind of keep track as a kid. And um, that's really what sparked my love for goalkeeping. I think he, he, was, he was unbelievable and, and one of the best to, to ever to ever do it. So um, he, would, he would be the, the guy that I would say that I um, most looked up to as a kid growing up. Did you choose to be a goalkeeper or did some coach look at you and go, hey, you're, you're big, tall, and athletic, go play goal? That's that's how it uh, seems to happen uh, quite often, but but no, I, I was I was 12, and and we needed a, a goalkeeper to fill in for our team, and um, you know, just wanted to step in and, and help my team any way I could, and you know, after after that game, I I fell in love with the position, and I thought I found it, you know, uh, you know, almost an adrenaline rush to be back there, you know, and and, and be be that last that last rock to, to help the team out, and you know, that ever since I was ever since I was 12, I told my parents, you know, I really want to. Really want to get into this. I want to do as much training as possible and become become the best that I can be. And my parents are fully supportive. Um, and uh, you know, was, was fortunate, um, you know, to, to have that support as a kid and, and and going right up through through college and then uh, then landing here at Chicago Fire. It's been an unbelievable journey so far. You know, so there's a there's a lot of skills that goalkeeper can work on. Um, you know, in, in training and, and over their development of their career. But it seems to be that that stuff like reaction saves, like you you made several times last night against the Union, maybe that's more uh, just natural ability and instinct than it is something you can actually train for. Can you train for those those stops where you're having to drop in a split second, get a paw out, and and knock something aside? Yeah, I think uh, absolutely. I think um, you know preparation is the most important thing, and um, you, you put yourself through. A ton of scenarios in, in training, and your, your objective, your objective is to, uh, you know, go through every every possible scenario and situation training, um, you know, so that you're ready for, for pretty much anything in the game. And you know, Aaron Hyde, I've worked with him for six years as well. He's my goalkeeper coach. Um, he's done a fantastic job of, of preparing me, you know, game in, game out over the years, both physically, mentally, um, and seeing as much as possible, and, and just being ready for for anything any any given time. So. Um, yes, I, I would say more so than anything, um, training and preparation, be able to put yourself through those reactionary exercises and drills. But when you get in the game in the moment, you really, it's down to trusting yourself, trusting your instincts and, uh, and, and making the right decision. Sean Johnson, goalkeeper of the Chicago Fire, joining us on Soccer Morning off of a uh, eight-save performance against the Philadelphia Union last night at PPL Park, helping his team to a point on the road. Next week, you guys have uh, Colorado. That's not the best team in the league, but uh, what goes into the preparation as you look ahead to the Rapids? Yeah, I think uh, you know the, the most important thing is that that's a home game. It's a home game for us where we, we can go back to, to Toyota Park and, and play in front of our in front of our faithful and, and fans. And you know, I think it, it's important for us to, to realize, you know, at this point in the season, you know, every game, every game is, is the most important game of the season from here on out. And you know, especially at home, we've got to take advantage of those situations. Um, you know, Colorado can't be overlooked. You know, they're in a similar position to us at the moment. Um, you know, with the Western Conference the way it is, you know, obviously, you know, they, they're trying to, to press and get themselves um, going as well at this point. So it's, it's going to be a battle. And I think it's going to be two teams who, who, who really need to win at this point, and you know, I stress need because at this point in the season, it's crucial to pick up pick up points. And if you can put, pick up points and, and keep uh, keep building and, and building momentum going forward, um, you, you, you never know where you're going to end up at the end of the year. And um, no one's uh, definitely no one's given up to this point, including Colorado. So 
it should prove to be a, a pretty exciting contest. Uh, beauty of MLS. It's not over till it's over. Sean Johnson with the Chicago Fire traveling back to Chicago joining us today. Sean, appreciate the time. Great, uh, great job last night. Best luck, uh, best of luck with the rest of the season. Thank you. Thanks for having me. There goes uh, Sean Johnson. Good stuff from him. I very much appreciate his time today. Let's take a break. When we come back, take a couple of your phone calls. You want to jump in on a Monday at Soccer Morning on WorldSoccerTalk.com. Be right back. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. The race to win the MLS Supporter Shield and to qualify for the playoffs is heating up, so what better way to enjoy Major League Soccer than by playing one of the most unique fantasy soccer games available with Euro Fantasy League. With EuroFantasyLeague.com, don't be confused by the name. You can play MLS games for free, picking your best MLS starting 11 and subs against like-minded MLS fans such as yourself. Plus, you play in the MLS draft game just like your favorite NFL draft games. As the name suggests, you can also play a different fantasy game by selecting from six of the major European leagues, including the Premier League, La Liga, Serie A, Liga, the Dutch Eredivisie, and the Portuguese Premier Liga. So imagine picking a team that can feature the likes of Ronaldo, Aguero, Pogba, Zlatan, Rooney, and Messi, as well as other world-class footballers, with your chance to win prizes, up to $5,000 for the winner of the season prize game. This is your opportunity to show your soccer expertise by playing against other fans from around the U.S. Set up your free fantasy soccer game today at EuroFantasyLeague.com. Again, head on over to EuroFantasyLeague.com. This Sunday is the Battle of DPs as Steven Gerrard, Andrea Pirlo, Giovanni Dos Santos, Frank Lampard, and Robbie Keane battle it out in a clash between the LA Galaxy and New York City FC. I'll be calling the game on Rabble.tv, and I'd like to invite you to hear my thoughts and analysis live during the 90 minutes at Rabble.tv. With Rabble, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the broadcast on TV, Press the mute button and head on over to Rabble.tv to listen to the broadcast on your desktop, through your iOS app, and now through your mobile browser. You can join in, too, by posting your questions or observations in the comments section. If you have an iPhone, install the Rabble TV app and add a comment to the broadcast message board, then listen live via the app. Or why don't you create your own broadcast called one of your team's games? It's easy. Sign up for free today and try it out. Join me this Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern for LA Galaxy versus New York City FC on Rabble.tv, where it's your team and your call. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we are back on Monday. I am having a good time today. Hope you are as well. Sean Johnson was fantastic. Christian Hennage was excellent as always. That music just doesn't want to go away. It wants to stick around. It wants to be part of the party. We are taking your phone calls at 646-832-3909. That's 646-832-3909. It's not particularly easy to remember, but if you program it into your phone, or write it on your hand in permanent marker, it's what I recommend, really, then you'll always have it with you, and you'll be able to call me up and talk about soccer, because that's what we do. Bundesliga results from the weekend, I am resolving. Now that Fox has the package, now that there's an opportunity to see these games some places that are accessible to me, I'm resolving to watch some Bundesliga. 
I watched exactly zero Bundesliga this week. No, I watched a couple minutes. I can't remember who I who I watched, but I can't. But I, maybe it was Bayern. Maybe it was Bayern on on Friday. That was the opener against Hamburg. It was a romp, five nothing for the defending champions, for the only team in Germany that you actually expect to go and win this title. That being said, the Bundesliga can, can be fascinating from two all the way down to twenty, or they have eighteen. How many teams in the Bundesliga, Trevor? I, I should probably know that off the top of my head. I apologize. Bayern Munich opening up with a 5-0 win over Hamburg at home. A Bayer Leverkusen a winner over Hoffenheim. Dortmund 4-0 over Champions League qualifier Gladbach. That's quite the romp for the post Jurgen Klopp era beginning in Dortmund. You had uh, Hertha Berlin 1-0 winner over Augsburg on the on the road. Ingolstadt big win over Mainz 1-0. Important win for Ingolstadt. Uh, Cologne, 3-1 winners over Stuttgart. Wolfsburg, 2-1 winners over Eintracht. I think that's my team. I think, I, think Wolf, I think Wolfsburg's my team. Is that a bad pick? It's a good pick, right? Bundesliga people, tell me. Good pick, bad pick? Wolfsburg. Yes, no, maybe? Am I front running if I pick Wolfsburg? New hipster pick, says Trevor. Yes! I have succeeded in picking a team blindly with no reading whatsoever that happens to be the new hipster pick. All right. I'm all in. I don't, I'm not really a hipster, but I'm all in on, on, on Wolfsburg. All right. And I like saying Wolfsburg with the, the V instead of the W. I don't know if it makes me sound refined or stupid, but I do enjoy saying Wolfsburg. 646-832-3909. The deal with this part of the show, and if you're not familiar with Soccer Morning, let me fill you in. If you're new, first of all, thank you for listening. Thank you so much for partaking in our soccer, little soccer program that happens every mo- every morning during the week, Monday through Friday, from 9 until 10 Eastern time. Uh, we also, we're also on Sirius XMFC 85. Go uh, check that out if you have a subscription. If you don't, I highly suggest uh, buying one. I'm sorry, this is my sell portion of the program because it's a good time. Uh, lots of good stuff over there. But if you're not familiar with the web show, which is what this is, the worldsoccertalk.com version of the show, we stick around after 10 o'clock only a few people call me. That's it. Otherwise, it's pretty much, hey, you know what? That was a good that was a good time. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you. So, I'm looking at the clock. I'm looking at the phones. I'm looking at my computer. I don't see any calls. 646-832-3909. Usually at least one of you guys, Roberto in Connecticut, Robert in LA, uh who who else do we have? We have Richard in Philly who I haven't heard from in a while. I don't think our friend Washington up in NYC. I mean, I'm just naming some of the regulars. You don't have to be a regular to call in. Clearly our boy, Eddie in Brooklyn, who may be busy, maybe working. I don't know. I mean, these people have jobs. I understand you people have jobs, but you got to sneak away. You got to pull the Washington. The best thing about a Washington phone call is that you can tell that he's very close to the phone like this. So he calls me up and he says, Hey, 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 Jason, what's up? I don't, I don't have Washington's voice, but Hey, Jason, what's yeah, I really thought that Poku played well on uh, on Saturday, on uh, sorry Thursday night, and I really think he's one for the. That's my favorite part of a Washington phone call. <laughs> Love that. Lots of uh, good technique, Mike technique from Washington when he calls in. All right, we are getting a couple of calls. We'll we'll, we'll uh, continue on until you guys get tired of me uh, or me of you, or we get to ten fifteen. Either one, whichever comes first. Six four six eight three two thirty nine zero nine. There is again. There's Bundesliga. There's MLS, there's Premier League, there's Liga MX. There's lots of things happening 
around the world's game. There's the Spanish Super Cup today. Tell me if you think Barcelona can overcome a 4 nothing deficit against Athletic Bilbao. I, I mean, first of all, that's a stunning first leg. Oh, Ray in Milwaukee. That's a regular I forgot. It's my boy Ray in Milwaukee. What's up, Ray? What's up? Uh, do you think that the uh, MLS should implement some type of flex schedule? Yes. I think yes. they should have flexed out. Yes. They ha- well, okay, look. First of all, we, let's, let's say this, Ray. We got, a big, we got a fun match last night between the Fire and the Union. But if you were looking at the schedule ahead of time and you were saying national television, Fox Sports 1, big-time potential for an audience, maybe not, but, you know, got to build your audience. We don't want to put that game on TV, right? We don't want to put that game on TV. Right. But, I mean, again, it, the game was, ended up being entertaining. Uh, right, but, but, I mean, from a, from a casual, I, I consider myself a casual MLS fan. I'm not a you're not going to watch that game. MLS yeah, I know. You're not going to watch that game. Uh, if you see it on the schedule. Uh, so, yeah, Fuck Stadium is going to be nice, but it's important to remember. I'm probably all flushed because I just coughed. It's important to remember that it costs a lot of money to put a game on television. It costs a lot of money to get all the cameras together, to get your staff, to get your broadcast crew to that location, and changing on the fly only adds to those costs. And let's be honest, the MLS is not, uh, MLS is not the NFL. And while the NFL broadcasters who spend a billion dollars and more on those rights are, are, can, can comfortably justify switching something three weeks out, I don't think NBC, I'm sorry, I don't think uh, um, ESPN or Fox are willing to do that for a game that's going to draw 250,000 people, 300,000 people, 500,000 people. They're not going to do that. Do you think Fox or ESPN will ever go to like a local regional market like the NFL does? So they can just show the... Um, the uh, local coverage, though, you know what I'm saying? Instead well, of the national, national every, team. every MLS team has a local package. The quality of those packages and that coverage ranges wildly across the league. I don't think you would want to... They've done that before, by the way. Fox Soccer used to do it. They used to simulcast stuff like that all the time. Uh, maybe not for league matches. I can't remember. Um, I think that that's dangerous because of that quality issue. And I think you want to project uh, a consistent front, Ray. I mean, you want to you want to put the league on the best footing possible on television, and that means having John Strong calling the game because he's brilliant at it. I mean, you want that. So I don't think that's coming anytime soon. And the NFL doesn't do that exactly. They still those are still national teams that they. I mean, national broadcast teams that they send out all over the country. I mean, the, there's no actual local broadcast team for NFL because every game is nationally televised. Right, I mean, but I mean, there are available. regional markets. Oh, you know I, I see what, what you mean. Uh, I, I, I see what you're saying. Okay, so you're saying like if we've got a bunch of games happening at, at at one time, some 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 of the country gets one game, some of the country gets another game. Uh, I right. that, that could be the future of the league. Yeah, that could be the future of the league. I think it's a long way off though. Oh, I see. I just, there's one other point that I just like to make up. Uh, switching south of the border, I know that. Uh, Omar Bravo became the all-time leading goal scorer for uh, Chivas over the last week. And I know for a team, a fan base that does not get a lot to celebrate, uh, that's that's some accomplishment. And I just like to say that he was a class act when he was at uh, Kansas City. City. Uh, Yeah, I can't remember if that was, uh, I don't think that was a great experience for anybody, but I don't know that it was any problems. Thanks for the call, uh, Ray. Appreciate it, man. All right, there goes uh, Ray in uh, Milwaukee. Hotbed. Let's talk to our boy. Speaking of the devil, 
Uh, oh, hey, Jason. It's Washington. Hey, Washington. Hey, what's Jason. Going on? How you doing? It's Washington. <laughs> <laughs> it's my man. All right. What's on your mind, Washington? That impression was spot on. Man. I, I give it to you. That impression was spot on. Hey, listen. Uh, if it's okay, I wanted to talk a little bit, uh, a little Kwando uh, Poku. The man's brilliant, um, isn't he? He's so, he's so fun. So fun. I love that kid. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, he, he's got it all. I I saw Thursday's game, and I thought, well, when, once uh, D.C. United scored, I said, oh, here we go again. And, you know, I, I expected the, uh, I expected Philo to do their thing, but this kid always comes through. What I love most, he's 23. His best years are ahead of him. And he's made, I mean, I don't know if you know this, he's actually built his career. He, he's from Ghana, but he's built his career in the U.S. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I think he played in, in Georgia, and he played in Atlanta for a while. And, and, and I, I, I just, I, I love this kid. I love this kid. We need yeah, like he, twelve he, more like him. He's a great story because of what you said. Make, I, I don't know. I got to go read the the piece that that Christian Hennage wrote about him. The background has got to be interesting from him jumping from Ghana, which you know Ghana gets scouted. Not not. It's not as though every kid with talent gets out of Ghana and goes to Europe. And and frankly, there's a lot of bad things happening with African players ending up in Europe. Um, so maybe he dodged a bullet there actually. But there's got to be an interesting story for him going from Ghana to Georgia, playing for uh, the, the Georgia Force, which is uh, you know one of those those uh, those big massive clubs, youth clubs that uh, has thousands of kids and hundreds of teams, and then ending up with the Atlanta Silverbacks, and then ending up in uh, in New York. Uh, you know he's uh, he's just so fun to watch. He see you know as Christian said, he's an incredibly polite kid. Uh, I, I saw a little bit of his interview after that match. He looked, uh, you know, he looks like he's the kind of person who just um, is very appreciative of where he is and the opportunity he's getting. And, and that might mean that he doesn't have the personality to continue to demand things out of, say, Jason Christ, which I, I get. But you want, you, you know, maybe this, maybe we build him up a little bit. Maybe we get Guadalupe to start saying, look, I want to be part of this team. And if you're not going to give me my opportunity, eventually I should move on. Maybe that's not now. You know, and, and maybe it's a matter of sell. I mean, look, Christian has. Uh, well, let, let's not put any idea no. in your head, Jason. I know, but, let's but, keep him in NYCFC okay. now. Fair enough. Speaking of that, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Because I know that Miami and. Um, not Miami. Uh, Atlanta and LA started in, I think, 2017. How, do, how does that work with the expansion draft? Can they just pick any kid they want, or are they kids that get protected? How does that work exactly? Uh, the t- uh, teams are allowed to protect. Oh, God. I think it's. It's 11, uh, I can't remember exactly the number of, uh, of players you're allowed to protect, uh, but you can't protect everybody. Uh, okay, well, we need to protect this kid. Yeah. yeah we need the, to hold on to this Yeah, here, here, let, me, uh, let me just go ahead and, and review. Um, I'm trying to review the uh, per MLS rules. La, 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 la. I'm just trying to figure out how many players. I mean, again, it's a, sort of a different situation if you get two teams coming in at once, as you did with NYCFC in Orlando. Right, in um, Orlando. There are try to, existing teams are allowed to protect 11 players from their rosters. Generation Adidas players were automatically protected. Those players who graduated from the program to the senior roster at the end of 2014 were not. Uh, let's see. Boku is not Generation Adidas. He, no. he came from Comet, so. No, and, and yeah, you, we need to protect this kid. You, once we need you, to protect this kid. Once you lose uh, a player, you're allowed to protect another player in his place. Uh, or, yeah, you're allowed to, yeah. You, if you lose a player, 
you're allowed to add another protected player. And if you lose, if you lose uh, two players, that's it. You're done. Now, again, you got to you got to figure out a way to protect Poku. That's that's the bottom line. Right. right? And it's a couple right. years away. It's a couple years away. You, you know, maybe he ends up in in uh, in Europe for fifteen million dollars. You never know. No, let's not let's not put ideas in his head, Jason. What are you doing? What are you I'm doing? Just kidding. What are you doing? Maybe maybe, maybe we make him a DP next year. Anyway, one more question. One more question. Because right. uh, after, I mean, and I know that you know I'm shooting for the moon here, but after Thursday's game when they they came back, DC United is pretty up there. And after after Thursday's game, I'm wondering we can get that sixth spot. I'm 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 just looking at the standings. I'm like we can get the sixth spot. So. The 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 positions three, four, five, and six are the wild card spots, right? They have to do the playoffs. Is that right? Uh, format, format, format. I think so. Yeah. The uh, the first two teams get yeah, the top the two teams get buys, and everybody else got has to play in the uh, in the first round or whatever. The yeah. one game, the one game playoff yes, or something like yes, that. It's so a one right. game playoff to go into the conference semifinal. Yeah. Right? Yes. Exactly. The okay, playing right. game. Yeah, so we got a shot at that. Hey, it's not over yet. All no, right, it's cool. not. No, you're, you're only, you're only a point day. back. Only a point back. Uh, even right now, and here's something I don't think a lot of people... Right, Washington, i got to run. i got one more call I want to get in. Go ahead. No uh, problem. No right, problem. Man, appreciate it. Goodbye, Washington. Uh, I, I, think, I don't think a lot of people would have thought we'd look up right now and see that NYCFC is, uh, is better than Orlando. That's uh, it's, I all right. I'm having an, an issue, uh, issue technically speaking. But uh, Bill from New York's on the line anyway. Bill, we'll close out with you whether anybody can hear you or not. He'll be on the podcast. <laughs> Very good, thanks, Jason. I was uh, I was calling about two things actually. The Mike Pecky thing. I, I heard a couple people last week bring up ah Mike Pecky. Nobody's talking about him now. It's over and done with. He's our guy. He's always going to be our guy. But this is our team. You know, we got to root for this team. No matter who's in charge or who's uh, leading the team, Pecky will always be our guy, but we have to root for this team. So it's when people say that. But, oh, yeah, it's got about Pecky. No, that's not the case. We haven't forgot about Pecky. Okay. I'm the guy who's always calling, calling about, I want the Cosmos to buy Rebels. I, I, I hate our own ship group. But it's our team, and we're going to root for them. And we haven't forgot about Pecky. Okay. All right. You just wanted to get that on the record. I get I, yes, on the record. And I was also calling about Washington. Everybody loves this guy, Washington. <laughs> I'm one of the guys on board. I don't understand his love affair with New York City. You know, he obviously is a smart guy about yeah. soccer. He knows so much about soccer. Everything that's wrong with soccer is New York City. <laughs> From uh, hey, look, I don't. The Yankees are going in. I'm not going to. I'm, I'm not going to. We know that. Okay, but go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. You want no? You want to lay out point by point why NYCFC is the devil? Go ahead. Yankees owning them. We know they're only doing it for the money. They care less about soccer. The Yankee ownership also trying to crush the soccer spirit by locking up their own fans week after week because they don't want them standing and jumping up and down. They want them being baseball fans. They want them sitting down and clapping when they score a goal. When the game's over, they want them leaving. The whole Manchester City. Lies him about Lampard. Uh, I mean, come on. I mean, I they did that because they know Americans are not smart soccer people, so they can oh, tell them anything there you go. There and get away with this. Bill, uh, I, I, look, you're on the record. Uh, unfortunately, i got to wrap up the show. Thanks for the call. i got to wrap up the show because apparently we completely dropped the audio on the live stream. I don't know why that happened. I've still got the audio working on the podcast, so the podcast version will be complete. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. Thanks to Christian Hennage for his appearance today. Sean Johnson for the Chicago Fire was brilliant as always. Go to uh, Make sure you go to backhill.com and check us out. Just check out the website. Check out the store. 
do all of that stuff over there. It's all uh, it's all cool. And we've got WorldSoccerTalk.com as well. Thanks very much to them. And go check out that website. All right, I'm out of here. I got, I've been told i got to close it down. We'll talk to you on Tuesday. Bye. Did my invitations disappear?